Welcome to Faith Bible Church's Midweek in the Word podcast, where we are together seeking to become better readers, hearers, and doers of the Word each week. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Midweek in the Word, presented by Faith Bible Church here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I am not Pastor Brad, whom you are accustomed to hearing on this podcast, but please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Jared Erke, and I am the technical coordinator here at Faith Bible Church, and am pleased to be the voice of Midweek in the Word. Uh, You might be wondering where Pastor Brad, our adult ministries pastor, is today. Well, never fear. He is here with us today, albeit remotely. But he asked me to pinch hit or pinch host, if you will, for him today since uh, since he preached on Gideon last week. And it is my honor to welcome our adult ministries pastor as a guest to the podcast today, Pastor Brad Myers. Welcome. Uh, Hi, Jared, uh, it's 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 strange being on the other end of this, um, but I appreciate your willingness to jump in and and cover for me while I'm preaching and uh, uh, looking forward to the podcast. Yeah, no problem. It's my honor. Um, it's also my honor to welcome Faith Bible Church's preaching pastor back to the podcast, who is also joining us remotely, uh, Pastor Tom Rempel. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Yes. Uh, responding from my South Street studios. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We are all using our own makeshift studios th- these days. Um, if if you are new to us, uh, Faith Bible Church is taking an exciting journey this year. Uh, we're calling it Route 66. Uh, we are traveling through all 66 books of the Bible and found ourselves in the book of Judges last week. And specifically, Pastor Brad preached on the character of Gideon. And so we'll start off this week's episode by looking at some highlights of last week's message from the book of Judges. Um, so, Pastor Brad, let's just jump right into it, shall we? What did we learn about God on Sunday from studying Gideon? Yeah, I think I think there was a few things that really struck me um, about God from the life of Gideon. Uh, the first was, and, and this isn't so much new as a repeated theme, is uh, that we were reminded again of God's sovereignty. Um, God's sovereignty, especially in world events in the life of Gideon and really the book of Judges as a whole. Obviously, we see a lot of reoccurring times where where God is intimately engaged in speaking to Gideon, in interacting with him and leading him. Um, but there's also a reality that that is um, God's hand, maybe a bit more subtly in the background, moving the Midianites, uh, moving nations in the world. Um, and so we were reminded of God's sovereignty, uh, which I think is a comfort in our season currently. Uh, secondarily, uh, we saw that that God isn't threatened um, or, or inhibited by man's schemes. He's not limited by man's strength. Uh, he's not even interfered with by man's failures or fears. Um, in fact, he works through weak individuals to show his incredible might, um, which is a good reminder for each and every one of us. There's times when it feels like uh, we're even getting in the way of God, or maybe there's something going on in the world that God doesn't have control over. And and God's plan for his people is still being executed according to his will, uh, even when it feels like uh, things are out of control, even when it feels like we're messing up personally. Um, and then lastly, and the thing that really, really struck me uh, from the life of Gideon especially, uh, was that reminder that salvation belongs to God, um, and he deserves and desires the glory for it. Um, just this um, understanding that ultimately when God's people are saved, it is, it is because of the hand 
of their God. Um, and, and so as a result, he deserves that glory. Um, and in the story of Gideon, we're reminded of the fact that that he says, I want to receive the credit for that glory. You know, I don't want the Israelites to take credit because it wasn't by their hands that they saved themselves. It was because of my hand. And so we, we just see again that the salvation is God's um, and he deserves the glory for it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. And I think you may have already kind of touched on this right there at the end, but what did the study of Gideon reveal to us about man or us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found myself... Uh, personally identifying with Gideon a lot in this story, personally convicted um, by what I saw as far as the similarities between my life and his. And, and, and I hope that was the case for, for those listening to the sermon as well. Uh, the first thing that, that really struck me was how we were reminded of just the, fin- the fickle and sinful nature of, of humanity, of, of our desire or not desire, but our natural tendency toward fear and anxiety, toward lacking trust. Uh, because especially when we're we're looking to our ourselves to save ourselves, and that kind of that fear that Gideon started out with, then he moves to this high point of faith where he's trusting God and believing God, um, and we all can sympathize with seasons like that. Um, but then he ends ultimately in a low note again because he begins to think he can be self sufficient and that he has done what it took and kind of asserts himself as king, and he ends up failing pretty miserably at the end of his life. And I just it just reminds us of the highs and lows of my life where I can go from a time where things seem really bad and I, I, I'm questioning whether God is is there and whether God is supporting me uh, to times of incredible mountaintop experiences of faith. And then so quickly I lose um, reminder of what that is um, and find myself failing again and failing to trust God. Um, but secondarily, and this kind of speaks to the first point, um, we saw in Gideon's life how pride can reveal itself in, in kind of two ways. On the beginning of Gideon's life, his, his pride and self-sufficiently led him to be afraid of the Midianites uh, because he saw the army he was up against. But then in the end of his life, we saw his pride come out again um, in his thinking that he had done it in his own strength and self-sufficiency. And so our pride reveals itself in much the same ways, whether it be fear, thinking we can do it or can't do it in our own power, or whether it means, on the other side, the pride and arrogance of thinking we're okay on our own without God's help. Um, and then maybe the most convicting for me um, was was the the idea that that most often God will remove our false sense of security uh, to teach us to rely on Him. Um, and again, it maybe maybe it's due to the season of time that we find ourselves in with being unsure of how to handle this disease and and who's carrying it and some of that kind of stuff. But I find uh, from the life of Gideon, that much like God removed the army that he was trusting in, um, God often removes things that we think can insulate us from the challenges and difficulties of life in order to teach us to rely on him. Yeah. And so as we've been going through the Bible uh, from Genesis through Revelation, we are now in Judges, we'll be going to Ruth. Um, we've been seeing all the ways that all the text ultimately points to Christ. Um, so how did this story of Gideon point us to Christ? Yeah, uh, Gideon specifically, but really the whole book of Judges uh, shows us repeated cycles of, of falling or failing and fallen men and women um, as the judges um, that, that in the short term deliver the people of Israel from the oppression that, that God has brought in to discipline them. 
Um, but ultimately, every single one of them fails at what the greatest need of the Israelites is, and, and that is to cure the condition of their hearts, to cure their sinful rebellion and idolatry against God. Um, and so Gideon, as a fallen deliverer, begs for an ultimate final savior, someone who isn't just another fallen man or woman, um, but an ultimate savior who will, who will truly save um, God's people from their biggest issue, uh, the sin that's in their hearts. And I think that really looks forward and anticipates to Christ coming as the final deliverer and the real savior. And so Sunday, Sunday we ran into just to keep, keep going with this theme of Gideon. Um, we ran into what is a familiar though often misunderstood story right in the middle of the life of Gideon, the story of Gideon's fleece. And you made the comment that this story is often raised up. Uh, you made the comment on Sunday during your message that this story is often raised up as an example of how to determine the will of God, uh, when in reality it is a negative example of Gideon's lack of faith and trust in what God had said. Um, and this brings up a critical concept when it comes to understanding the Bible. And we'll say context, context, context. And that's what we're going to talk about next is just biblical context. Um, so Tom, I'm going to pivot over to you here, but Brad, of course, feel free to jump in if you'd like. Um, since you've mentioned context before in your discussion on the coma method, um, what do we mean generically by context when it comes to biblical interpretation? Well, yeah, the coma method is a context, observation, meaning, and application, and it has to begin with context, which is basically where does this verse or this paragraph appear? Uh, in other words, how is it identified or clarified by the neighborhood that it resides in or lives in? Mm -hmm. And so what, what different types of context must we consider when studying the Bible? Well, obviously, you start with the textual context. That is, you know, where does it appear in the particular chapter? Uh, what, where does this chapter appear in relationship to the other chapters in the book? What, where does this book appear in the uh, in the whole uh, canon of Scripture? Is it an Old Testament book? Is it a New Testament book? So those kind of things have to be considered. I, I think the historical uh, context. Uh, we live in a different time in history than the scriptures were written in and those lives that are illustrated there uh, were lived in a different time and place. And so you have to ask yourself, how does, how does what they were experiencing at that season of life, how does that influence what is said and how it is said? Uh, another one is a geographical uh, description. Uh, just a simple thing like whenever you're reading the gospels and it said, and they went up to Jerusalem even if they were 300 miles north uh, in Antioch, it says that they would go up to Jerusalem, even though they're going south. And so you realize that there is a geographical, topological change that ought to be. And then I, th I think the other one is uh, just the circumstances or the situational setting. Uh, what are, what is going on in it? Just like the, the story of Gideon, it's it's a nation that is under discipline from the Lord. There's an oppression that God brought about. And so God is speaking in a particular situation, bringing his solution or his revelation to that. Mm -hmm. And so why, why is this so critical for biblical interpretation? 
Well, the, the point of understanding the, the context is th that making the observation of the context is it allows the author's voice to be heard. What did the author intend to communicate? What was the meaning behind the words that he chose? So basically, um, understanding it simply means that we let Scripture speak for Scripture. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so with that understanding in mind, let's move back to the story of Gideon and back to you, Brad. Um, Tom, of course, you know, feel free to jump in. Um, what type of context was critical to consider in the story of Gideon's fleece? Yeah. You know, um, it's, you're, you're always trying to consider as many different ones as you can. You know, I, I appreciate those that Tom mentioned as far as geography that's involved in the battle. Um, as far as historically what's going on in the nation of Israel, which is kind of set up by the first 10 verses, uh, which I read at the beginning of the service. But but the real key uh, context that I think is influencing what's going on in the, the story of the fleece is, is literary or textual context. Uh, what influence are the surrounding verses having on the meaning of this passage? Because I think it's changed by what we see that come come before and after it, specifically in the text. Mm -hmm. And so you mentioned literary context. What what specifically does it mean to consider literary context appropriately? You know, I I find the best illustration for this is you know one that's going to hit close to home for you as a real estate agent because <laughs> uh, I haven't been there personally, but as I understand it, in real estate, the the motto is location, location, location. <laughs> yes, sir. It's it's all about where you find yourself. Um, that dictates prices and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's very similar to that when it comes to the text. When we're looking at the literary context, or where do these this this verse, or where does this verse, or where do these verses fit. Um, you have to look at what's on either side of it. Uh, the verses that come immediately beforehand, um, the verses that come immediately afterhand or afterward. Um, and Tom has even really spoken to it. It's, it's almost like it's a bullseye uh, where the verse you're looking at is right at the center of the bullseye. And then from there, you begin to work your way out and the verses on either side and the chapters on either side, then the message and themes of the book as a whole um, in, in, the, in the book of Judges that influences the way we look at Gideon. Um, and read that text. And then finally, where does this verse book find itself in the whole canon of scripture? You know, so for Gideon, we're in the Old Testament, shortly after the conquest of the land, after the Pentateuch, or the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, it would make a difference if we found ourselves somewhere after the New Testament, um, after the Gospels, uh, something like that. And so you start with the verse that you're in, and you begin moving your, your way out and, and what you find in the surrounding parts really, really influences how we understand the text. Mm -hmm. And like, do you did you have something to comment on that, Tom? Nope. I was just approving of what I just heard. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's always good to hear. He's amening, <laughs> He's amening uh, it. Let know. the prophets judge the prophets. That was there nice we go. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. Like I had a spiritual mentor once tell me, at least in so many words, beware of reading only one verse. You'd say that's appropriate here. Yeah. I, I really think there's a tremendous amount of wisdom in that. I, you know, whole sects of religion have been built on reading a verse entirely out of context. And while it makes for a great motto or it makes for a great one-liner, or you can make it say whatever you want it to say, to Tom's point, it really doesn't take into consideration the original intent that the author had. Um, you know, and so I, I think of even my own house where we have verses up on the wall or other houses I've walked into and 
Uh, I obviously don't discourage people from putting scripture <laughs> scripture on their walls. <laughs> but the question that I always find myself asking is, what do you think that verse means? Um, do you know what part of the Bible that fits into? And do you know what the verses on either side of it say? So I think that's really good, mm-hmm. good advice. Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what elements in the life of Gideon are of particular note when we are considering the literary context of the story of the fleece? And, and how did those elements change the meaning of that part of the story? Yeah, I, I think I'd like to start, let's, I mean, by just looking at that part of, of Scripture as if it wasn't surrounded uh, by the context it is. You know, if, if we look at Judges chapter 6, verses 36 through 40, and we just pull it out of the Bible— without looking at chapter seven, without looking at the beginning of chapter six, um, what would it mean? If we were to just take the story of the fleece, um, we would have a tendency to look at it and say, okay, Gideon is trying to figure out what God's will is. And so he's seeking God's will. He throws out this fleece as a test. God gives him direction, confirms it to him, and then Gideon goes and obeys. And so the point of that would indicate that we ought to follow Gideon's example and test God to determine his will for our lives. However, when when we begin to consider the verses that come up, lead into it, and the verses that come out of it, specifically, if we look at like verse 6 or verse 17 in chapter 6, where, where we see that after Gideon's initial call, Gideon has already requested a sign. Uh, when the angel of the Lord tells him he's going to defeat Midian by Gideon's hand, um, Gideon says, may I have a sign to know this as you speaking to me? Um, and so he goes and gets the food, brings it back, and, and, and it's consumed by fire. And that's the initial sign. So we go, okay, so this is coming after. An, uh, uh, he's already been given a sign of this miracle. Uh, secondarily, if we look at verse 27 of chapter 6, we find that when God has commanded Gideon to tear down the Asherah poles, tear down the idol or the, the idol to Baal um, in his hometown, he does so, but he does so at night. And, and the Bible specifically says he does so because he's afraid of the response of the people in his family. And so we see that Gideon's a fearful man. Um, And then we get to the end of chapter six and see this, these two more tests that God puts um, put or that, that Gideon puts to God uh, that is. Um, And then what what comes right after it um, in chapter seven, after God or after Gideon has called the army together and they're up against the Midianites, um, God recognizes Gideon's fear and says, if you're still afraid, uh, then do this. And Gideon, Gideon confirms that he is still afraid and he does it. And so if, if we pull those out of their context, we get one message versus if we, if we put them in their context and read it in the store in the way the story was written, it becomes pretty clear that Gideon was a fearful man. And he was simply asking for way too many signs because he didn't trust God's word. Um, so rather than it being a positive example of we should throw out a fleece to determine the will of God in our lives, in, in a lot of ways, Gideon and the fleece becomes a negative example of Gideon failing to trust God's God's word and what God had already told him to do um, and seeking constant confirmation. Okay, so now let's try and provide some helpful tips for our listeners uh, when it comes to applying these ideas for themselves. Uh, Tom, I'm going to come to you on this one. Is literary context critical only within the literary style of narrative or, in other words, uh, stories? Uh, or is this something that needs to be considered across all genres of scripture? Well, I think it it definitely is uh, mandated in in reading all of scripture. I would you wouldn't read uh, the poetry of the Psalms or uh, even the Song of Solomon 
uh, the same way you would read one of the narrative stories, say, out of the book of Judges as we were just in. Um, you know, you think it in terms of some of the word pictures that are used in Hebrew poetry, um, this, this beautiful woman of Song of Solomon is not that pretty when her teeth are described as fresh, freshly shorn ewes, you know, it's like, well, what, what, <laughs> that's not a real attractive picture. So you have to go back and say, what, what's the context? What are they doing? I was thinking about the book of Revelation, some of the descriptions there. Uh, if you read it without considering the context and the message of the author. I was even thinking about the, the book of Ezekiel and the prophecies of Ezekiel and the valley of dry bones and the spinning wheels and all of those. If, if, if you lift it out of the context, you get all kinds of abuses and misunderstandings. And I guess, uh, Brad, I'll give you a chance for one final comment on this. You know, uh, just... Just be encouraged uh, would be my encouragement for people. Be reminded that um, that scripture is written in such a way that it's meant to be known. Um, so so just put in the effort. You know, take take the time. Um, a lot of times, it's amazing how how quickly uh, the 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 context becomes apparent and how that influences the text. Um, so. So a lot of times we think we've got to read a whole bunch extra. You're asking me to read a whole bunch extra, but um, it, it just takes a few minutes to, to read what's before, to read what's after. And, and for the sake of, of understanding correctly what the Bible's teaching, um, I would encourage our people to do that. You know, in, entire, you know, sects and um, whole, whole kind of camps have been built off of passages taken out of context uh, where they're just quoting one part or they're just, um, doing a part of it. And so just, just be encouraged that it, with a little bit of effort, um, it goes a long way in this particular area. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's shift gears to just looking towards next week. Tom, you're preaching on the story of Ruth. We're moving out of judges and moving into Ruth. Um, what are you looking forward to most when preaching on Ruth? Well, it, it it's, probably the greatest short story that has uh, ever been crafted. I mean, it's just uh, so artistic in four, 85 verses in four chapters. And uh, most of the text is, is dialogue. It's statements, discussion. Um, it, it's one of the rich love stories of the Bible. And uh, there are some unbelievable nuggets of truth that are going to be uncovered as we read it. Mm -hmm. So are there any interpretive questions that you're wrestling with, especially? Yeah, the big one right now is, uh, who is the hero of this story? Is it, is it really Ruth, who the book is named after? Or is there is there something else that uh, God is uh, revealing here? So I, uh, I keep bantering back and forth on that. And uh, hopefully by the time we proclaim it on Sunday, I'll have a bit of an answer. <laughs> And uh, so, if, as is our custom for asking also, how can we prepare our hearts for the message this week? Well, I think the best way for this one is it's only 85 verses. It's only four chapters. It's it's full of emotion. It's full of movement. It, it's full of life. I, I think the best way to prepare is to read it out loud twice before Sunday. Just read it, listen to it, read it again, maybe read it to somebody else and let the story simply be heard as a story, thus preparing our heart to hear the interpretation. 
Sounds great. We are looking forward to it. Um, well, that's it for this week. Um, just thank you again, Pastor Brad, for letting me uh, pilot the episode this week. Um, and I want to thank you all for joining us. And remember, if you're following along with our weekly reading, um, go ahead and read Ruth chapters 1 through 4. Um, if you're looking for more information, check out our church website, faithbiblelincoln.org. You can also find us on Facebook at Faith Bible Church Lincoln, Nebraska. And on Twitter, we are at at FBC Lincoln. And you can also subscribe to our sermon podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Faith Bible Church and look for the black box with the white letters. There's a lot of Faith Bible churches out there. Um, <laughs> we'll be praying for you guys as we do each week as we all prepare our hearts for this weekend's message. Um, I hope you'll join us again next week. And I think Pastor Brad, if I'm not mistaken, you'll be back in the quarterback's chair next weekend. <laughs> correct? Absolutely. Yes. I'll be looking forward to it again and uh, looking forward to a a discussion. We'll we'll move a little bit forward on this current discussion um, and take a look at historical and cultural context from the story of Ruth. I'm looking forward to the discussion with Tom. Sounds great. So we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. As you're reading this week, be encouraged by the words of the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.